بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على خاتم النبيين على آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته continuing what we have started already in talking about the case of Kitab al-Tawheed what it contains these matters we really need to understand with the evidences of it and we are as we always repeat that a Muslim really should always depend on the evidences of Quran and Sunnah not depending on the words of human beings since we have the words of Allah wa ta'ala, Quran and we have the words of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the messenger of Allah these are totally enough for us and if, the, if we read the words of the ulama, we only seek the explanation of these ayahs and hadith. But we are not depending actually and taking these words of the ulama as our evidence. The scholars themselves said that the words of the ulama or the opinions of the ulama needs evidence. They are not evidence by themselves. So a Muslim really should depend on Quran and Sunnah. Whenever he talks to people about Islam, whenever he is clearing a problem or a case or a munkar, he should always say, Allah said, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa said. Because no one, no Muslim, when he hears this, will say, no, I will not accept what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, or what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa said. No one. But if you tell him that such and such alim, a scholar said, he say, okay, this scholar is Hanbali or Shafi'i or Maliki and I'm Hanafi. How can you answer him in this case? Although these are all scholars and they are really respected scholars still, truthfully, okay, I'm, I'm, I have lived and studied my madhab and I'm, I'm going to buy madhab. Say, fine. If you say that Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal said in such, this case such and such, if you tell me, Abu Hanifa or Shafi or Malik said this, I'll say this is what Ahmed Muhammad said. But if you tell me no, Muhammad said such and such, I cannot answer you saying no, Ahmed Muhammad said this. Because there is no way to compare Ahmed Muhammad to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No way to compare anybody else. If these human beings to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right. And this book we have, as we said before, is depending on Quran and Sunnah. He is giving ayah, a hadith, just to explain the case he is talking about. Nothing else. He is not adding anything from his own mind. So let's see what we have tonight. Continuing the 14th chapter we started last week. Talking about seeking help or invoke. Just to remind or refresh our discussion last week. We said that seeking help is four types. To seek help or to make dua to Allah wa ta'ala, that is ibadah, worshipping. So that we are required, upon the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make ibadah, to make worshipping to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by calling him tabaraka wa ta'ala. وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ لَكُمْ So he ordered us to call him tabaraka wa ta'ala, and he guaranteed that he will answer us. And answering him here doesn't mean that he will give you what you have requested. Because he did not say, and I will give you what you want. ادعوني أستجب لكم استجابة here in Arabic 
could mean so many meanings. Could give me so many meanings. One of them is that he will give you what you have required, requested. Like if you requested money, requested children, whatever. Allah may give you this. Or, and all here means there is possibility also. Or he may, subhanahu wa ta'ala, push away some tragedies for your dua. Because of your dua. Or he may keep this dua for you in the judgment day so you will gain more good deeds in the judgment day by this dua. When Sahaba heard this from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they said, Ya Rasulullah, we'll make more. He said, Allah is the most. If you make more, Allah will give you more. So when you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this case, what will happen? You will get one of these three. So you are in the long run, in every way, you are a winner. When you deal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are a winner. Always. Because Allah is the one subhanahu wa ta'ala who never lets you back. As Muhammad told us in the hadith, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not lift his slave when he raises his hand to him, does not let this hand go back without something. إن الله كريم يستحي أن يرد عبده يديه وهما صفراء يعني nothing in there there has to be in there something as we said before in the case so back to the case of Quran and Sunnah in this case back to the case of the ties of seeking help dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeking help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is ibadah seeking help from others with APC conditions alive present capable and thinking in the same time, believing that they are only reasons. Only reasons. They are not the ones going to give. They are only reasons for, the, for what, the, the, what they are looking for, for the help. Then it's allowed in Islam. What if he, with the third type, what if he, someone requests help from others, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with ATC, a life present capable, but he did not have the feeling or understanding or faith that they are reasons. But they think, he thinks that they are capable of it by their own independently. And this is, for sure, this is not allowed in Islam and it could be shirk in this case. Fourth one, which is the last, if we ask or seek help without these conditions, APC, then he is falling into shirk, probably for sure. We finished talking about the four ayahs, first four ayahs, talking about this topic, and we have the one more ayah and hadith tonight, inshallah, we'll discuss. The ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, أَمَّا يُجِيبُ الْمُطَّرَّ إِذَا دَعَاهُ وَيَكْشِفُ السُّوءُ وَيَجْعَلُكُمْ خُلَفَاءَ الْأَرْضِ أَإِلَاهُمْ مَعَ اللَّهِ قَلِيلًا مَا تَذَكَّرُونَ It is a fact came by the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a sort of question. أَمَّنْ يُجِيبُ الْمُطَّرَّ إِذَا دَعَاهُ Who will answer? The one who is indeed in need, in desperate need, who will answer him? Of course, the answer clearly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So sometimes, Arabs, and Quran came in the Arabs' language, they use the question instead of giving the fact. When Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked Mu'ad ibn Jabal as an example about what are the rights of human beings on Allah. Sometimes they use it to make the fact, sometimes they make, they make it to attract the attention. So if you want to teach your children, as an example, or teach someone, or make someone give you a full attention, 
That is the, one of the ways the Arabs they use. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has this in the Quran in Arabic. So here he is asking a question, but he is giving a fact. أَمَّا يُجِيبُ الْمُقَرَّ إِذَا دَعَى Of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This one who is in desperate and in troubles and in, in, in uh, problems, who, and when he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will answer. That's why usually, ulama, our ulama, in the whole Islamic world, when you come to them to ask them for dua, you say, please, make dua for me. He will tell you, you do it yourself. Because you are more desperate than me. So when you make dua for yourself, because you are in desperate, you are in so much need, you will make it good and correct. Allah loves that. In fact, as we heard in the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angel not to answer on give the one who is asking, the human being is asking, the, the good Muslim is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he say, wait. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angel not to rush in giving the, the slave what he is asking because he wants to hear the begging of the, of, the, of the slave. Allah loves to hear the begging of the slave. So we are supposed to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more and more and more as much as we can. If you beg a human being, they will get sick of you. That's natural. If you come to a rich man, even if he is your father or brother, and you ask him once, give me money. Then next day, give me money. Next. He will get sick. Yes, and you are, every day you want money. Yes, but if you ask Allah more and more, He loves you more. Because Allah is not the same as human beings. So in the case of the, of the requesting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah, this question giving the fact, as we said, that He is the only one who can give the one who is desperate what He needs. So in this case, what we get, what's the other fact we are getting in here? So ask Him. Do not gather. If he is the one who is giving the, the, the desperate what he needs, then directly go and ask him. Do not ask the others. Because if you ask others, even if they are, have all the money of the, the dunya, if they are, he is a king or he is a president or whatever he is, and you come and ask him, he may give you and he may not. He may be even incapable to give you. For any reason. So many reasons. Just imagine that. Just, just imagination. Yani. Just you came to a rich man who have millions and millions and you say I need some money and he is willing to give you but he dies. So there are something stopping from giving you. While Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala is not. So when we believe the fact that he is the only one tabaraka wa ta'ala who is capable of giving the human beings what they need then we'll ask him. This is the second fact. Ask him. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do. When we see Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yani Usually when we read these ayahs and these hadith, directly we want to see an example who has practiced these ayahs and hadith. Because only theories, if you read these ayahs and study them and understand them, you are understanding only a theory now. There is no practice in front of you. So directly you look, you look for the best practice in the practice of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the practice of Sahaba radiallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then you know, that's why one of these scholars, he described Sahaba, he said, each one of them is like a, a mushaf walking. A walking mushaf. Because he is a mushaf because whatever he is doing, he is following the mushaf. He is doing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him to do. But he is a human being. They, 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 these were sahaba, radiallahu anhu, 
Of course, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, all, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, every time he receives orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or he receives يعني, things that he's not supposed to do, he directly obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Total obedience. Although we, are, well, we can read this also clearly in some other eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book, when he told us subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have no other choice except to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to follow what he told us to do. وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ خيرة means here choice. No choice. As long as Allah is telling us to do this or to not to do this, خلاص. There's no choice. If human means tells you, your manager, your, your king, your all over, you may obey, you may not. But when it comes to those of Allah تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى or Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم That's why he said here إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ both of them. Each one of them. So if Allah orders us to do something, we have to do it. As much as we can. If Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam orders us to do something, we have to do it. As much as we can. If Allah or Rasulullah forbid us from doing something, we are supposed to refrain from doing it. There's no as much as we can here. Upon the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. إِذَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِأَمْرٍ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ Do your best to do it, as much as you can. وَإِذَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْ شَيْءٍ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ There's no if you can. خلاص. We are ordered to pray with jama'ah. We do it as much as we can. If we cannot for some reason, Allah will reward us for what we have, if you haven't done. That's why in the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa a person who is ordered, يعني, um, having the habit of fasting, Monday and Tuesday and, and Thursday, every week, or three, three days of every month, every month. And one day he travels, and he did not fast. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him for fasting even if he did not. Didn't you see that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa used to do the sunan al-rawatib? Ratiba, sunan al-rawatib means 12 rak'ahs, and then there are hadith 10 rak'ahs, however. Two rak'ahs before al-Fajr. Four rak'ahs before al-Zuhr. Two rak'ahs after al-Zuhr. Two rak'ahs after al-Maghrib. And two rak'ahs after al-Isha. Twelve. If, if, if a person is doing this every day, upon the hadith of Ibn Umar رضي الله عنهما, Allah will build him a house in Jannah. أن صلى لله ثنتي عشرة ركعه في اليوم والليلة بنى الله له بيتا في الجنة. طيب. But Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, although he's doing this every time, when he travels, he doesn't. So we understand now that in traveling we are not supposed to do it. Why? We do want the ajr. Yes, we want the ajr. But we are already getting the ajr, inshallah. Even because we are not doing this. Because we are following Muhammad in this sunnah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most generous. And he's giving us the reward even if we didn't do it. Same thing if he's sick. If a person is sick, he gets sick and he is not capable of fasting or praying or so on. Of course, the nafil. I'm not talking about the, the farad farad is another case. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him for that. Here comes the point we are talking about again. Since he is the only one capable of giving the desperate what he needs, we are supposed to ask. That's what the fact which is in this ayah. Then we come to the hadith. At-Tabarani rahimahullah narrated the hadith, but he did not give the Sahaba. And those people who studied the Mustalah al-Hadith, 
they know that in hadith if the sahabi is missing that's one missing if the tabi'i also is missing there are two missing now if they are three, more than that during the chain of names of the narrators of the hadith then it is called weak hadith mursal mu'allaq maqtu' so on so this is called weak hadith it's weak not because it is bad no but it is not totally to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that's called marfu' marfu' means khalaf up to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so say, Bukhari say okay his sheikh such and such told him that his sheikh told him that Abu Bakr said that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that this is okay reach to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this is called marfu' hadith but if there is some one man missing in the chain then it will be called maqtu' or munqatu' and the other one mu'adhal so on these are names that are not in our case in here طيب if this hadith is weak question comes in here why the author of this book brought it in here are we going to depend on weak hadith no طيب why is he bringing it in here good question is it the answer is easy if you read this book all you will not find only one hadith but so many hadith which is weak why because Shaykh in here he is bringing so many evidences which is correct of course the ayahs are no doubt but he's bringing sometimes even weak hadith just to support or to give extra explanation that's it but if there's only one weak hadith or two weak hadith three weak hadith in the, in, in the chapter he will not bring it he will not make a chapter depending on weak hadith only no that's what the, the, the ulama before used to do even the four imams they used the weak hadith in some cases Especially in the case where there are strong hadith or, or eyes in this topic, they bring extra hadith just as an example or as an explanation. So the idea is already there that the only one should be called to seek help in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if this hadith is coming, it's only just giving extra explanation. What is this hadith? It's a story that one of the Sahaba said that in the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam there was a hypocrite who was hurting and bothering Muslims. So Sahaba gathered and said, why don't we go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and ask him or why don't we go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make istighatha on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, seek help from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this hypocrite to stop him from hurting us. And they did. They went to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they said, Ya Rasulullah, we need ghawz, istighatha. We need, we seek your help in this car, this hypocrite. The answer was to some, yani, some people may, may be strange. He said, no, you do not make istighatha on me. Istighatha will be made only on Allah. But we know that if there are APCs available, it's no problem. We can make istighatha or seeking help for a human being. As we say, you know, I can't carry this table, so I need help. Brother and Tia, please give me help to this. And he is alive and he is present and he is capable. Ah. Then we have to go back to the story and see what is the story exactly. This hypocrite is hurting the Muslims. But he is a hypocrite. He is not a kafir. He is not a mere kafir, clear kafir, I mean. He is a kafir, of course. Hypocrisy is one of the major kafir kinds. But he is showing that he is a Muslim. In this case, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the other hadith, he said, 
when some Sahaba told him, why didn't you kill these hypocrites? Because they are so dangerous, more dangerous than Kafirs. And Muhammad knew their names by the Wahy from Allah Taala, like Abdullah ibn Abi Salul and the others. He gave a good answer, a very good answer. That he said, not the people will talk that Muhammad is killing his companions. Now these hypocrites are counted as his companions in front of people, or they are not companions. They are not Sahaba of Muhammad but in front of people they are Sahaba. The others mean, and whether they are in Medina or other places. Just imagine that Muhammad killed Abdullah ibn Ubi ibn Salud, which is the head of the hypocrites. Then the people of Mecca, the people of the other, other Arabs, heard that Muhammad is killing his people. This man is showing that he is Sahaba. He is showing that he is one of the, the high Sahaba level, because he was the leader of Medina before Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Muhammad was a wise man. In this case he said, don't ask or don't seek help from me in this case as he killed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he cannot kill him and he cannot stop him. But if it was a regular case, yes, no problem. Yani, if they come and say, Ya Rasulullah, yani, uh, make something for us like this such and such case which is Muhammad is capable of, then he can do it, no problem. He will not tell them don't seek help from me in this case. But because this case, he cannot, sallallahu alayhi wa go directly on it. Because of the problems which will happen because of it, he said, ask or seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this case. The Shaykh brought this hadith as an example of that seeking help should be only from Allah wa ta'ala, except for the ABC condition. That's the case of this hadith as we mentioned now. Some points we should really mention in the case of seeking help. Although we said that it is possible if the conditions are available, a life present capable APC, we suppose always to try to keep our seeking to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, seeking help to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. In every our life. And take an example, Abdullah ibn Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhuma said in one of the hadith that he asked Allah everything in his life, including the salt. Salt? Salt is one real you can bring complete bag which will, will, will be good for you for months. For one real. Then Abdullah ibn Umar is asking this from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does that mean? That's extra iman. That's to raise up the iman. Every time we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every case in our life, then we are getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our iman will go up. I don't want to go back to the case of Iman and explaining the Iman, but just put in mind that part of the belief of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah, that Iman goes up and down. It's not one case. It's not one package. Iman is not one package. It goes up and down. Who said so? Allah wa ta'ala. Wa yazdad al-ladhina amanu imana. Yazdad. Which means yazdad in Arabic? Means it will go more and more. And if it goes more, it will go down also. That's why when Sahaba, some Sahaba, when they meet each other, they say, let's sit down and have more iman in this one hour and you didn't have iman that means they don't have iman no they have iman but they want to have more iman and the good deeds will make iman higher and higher and you find this even practically that day you pray with with jama'ah and you make dhikr after salah and then you go home and you read some ayat in Quran and then you sit down then you go to work that day will be a fantastic day the other day when we, when we sleep and we wake up for our Fajr prayer with Jama'ah and we pray late and so on, the whole day will be upon the words of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
that if the person can wake up for salah and he prays, and he salah and he do this, and then he will be awake and good. وَإِلَّا the Arabic version of this وَإِلَّا أَصْبَحَ خَبِيثَ النَّفْسِ كَسْلَانِ He will be lazy the whole day, he will be tired and he will feel bad the whole day. Why? Because iman is going down. And also the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لَا يَزْنِ الزَّانِ حِينَ يَزْنِ وَهُمْ مُؤْمِنِ The man or woman who makes zina, na'udhu billah, when he makes zina, his iman goes out. And he is a kafir? No, he is not a kafir. He is still a Muslim, but he is not a mu'min. We have to differentiate, and we have discussed this already before, that iman and Islam is not the same if they are together. If we mention Islam and iman, each one is different than the other. If we mention one of them, they are both. Uh, don't, don't tell me this is complicated because we discussed this already. However, we'll, maybe we'll talk about this later on, inshallah, if we have a chance. This is the case of this chapter. And we gave it longer time than usual because we really need to clarify to ourselves what's the case of seeking help. The more we ask help from Allah wa ta'ala, the more we are in the right track. The more we are in our life, move away, get astray, curve away from asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are getting worse and worse. It is ibadah, worshipping. So why don't we ask Allah? Say, as an example, I have a, suppose I have a car accident. I go to the masjid to make two rakah and ask Allah? No, I ask Allah in my car. Before I think of anyone of my know, uh, people I know that I can call to help me. Before I call my son to come to help me out, to carry me in another car or whatever, okay, for help. Before that I should call Allah for help. Ya Mu'in, Ya Kareem. One word, it would not take us long time. Then I can call my son. That's why Sahaba and Muhammad Sallallahu before that always he told Sahaba told us that Muhammad Sallallahu whenever as he said they said in Arabic uh, version إذا حذبه أمر فزع إلى الصلاة صلاة كل دعاء كل صلاة صلاة يعني whenever he have a problem or something or stuck in something he directly go and ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى that's Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he is our ideal Udwa so we are supposed to do the same thing. So seeking help should be always to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no problem, we can't, يعني, we don't want to be يعني, uh, totally black or totally white. There is something in the middle. Ask Allah, make it strong asking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then go, try to find help from the others, no problem. Fine. What's the problem here? In the morning when you pray al-fajr al-salah and after the, يعني, in your salah or in the two rak'ahs before or after that in your dua, in your dhikr after salah later on, Ask Allah to give us rizq, to give you rizq on that day. And go and stay at home? No, go to work. Yes, combine them. Combine dua and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and go to work also. Because this is the way. This is the way that Muhammad s.a.w. told us to do. To ask Allah, to depend on Allah, to rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also to go and work and ask for it. Ask for work, ask for rizq. يعني سبب أن يتي إذا تكلم هنا، أوكي. Just take another example which could be clearer than that. Imagine a person who says, okay, I will depend on Allah, on Allah only. I will never ask anybody. Say this Allah خير. Let's see what he is going to do. He says, okay, I will ask Allah to give me children. Say he is not married. No, no. Still, even though I will not marry, but Allah Allah is Allah is capable of everything. إن الله على كل شيء قدير. Say إن الله على كل شيء قدير. Ask Allah for children, you stay at home, you are not married. How can... And you, you, you receive children coming from the sky? 
You need to do the reason. And you may do the reason, but you don't have children. If you don't ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you may have the, the reason, the wife, yani. And you may ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you still you may have no children. Why? Why not? Allah knows. Allah has the wisdom. Maybe He knows subhanahu wa ta'ala that children are not going to be good for you. Maybe He knows subhanahu wa ta'ala that if He gives you children, they will make you in bad shape. Remember the story of Al-Khidr in Surah Al-Kahf. When he killed the child, a child. What does this child, what sin did he do? A child, he killed him. But he did not kill him by his own. He killed him because Allah told him to kill him. That's why he explained later on, some other eyes later on, he said, وَأَمَّا الْغُلَامُ فَكَانَ أَبَوَاهُ مُؤْمِنَيْنِ فَخَشِينَ أَنْ يُرْهِقَهُمَا طُغْيَانَ وَكُفْرًا فَأَرَدْنَا يُبْدِلَهُمَ رَبَّهُمَ خَيْرٌ مِنَ زَكَاةٍ وَأَقْرَبُ رَحْمَةٍ So Allah knew that this child, if he is raised and he is becoming adult, he will give his parents the worst of life. So Allah told Al-Khadr to kill him. So he killed him. And if Allah is the one who wants this child to die, who will object? Who will object in this case? Al-Khadr directly... But Musa did not accept this because he did not know. Musa, alayhi salam, although he is better than Al-Khadr, he is a messenger of Allah, one of the strong will. Messengers, the five. Still he was amazed. Why? Why is this child is killed? But Al-Hadr again came and reminded him that, okay, wait, I told you in the beginning that you are not going to be patient with me. And you gave me your, yani, uh, wa'ad, promise that you are not going to ask me. Now why are you asking me in his case? So he, he's back. Because he knew that Al-Hadr is receiving wa'ad from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. That's almost the whole case of the seeking help. I hope that it's uh, explained enough to be understood. If you have any questions, I'll be happy to hear from you. Before your questions, Sheikh Mahbub Jazallah Khair, last week we discussed with him a case of Isa ibn Maryam. I have two points to say in this case. First of all, I read what some of us said, like Ibn Kathir, Ibn Jarir, Al-Qurtubi, Shawkani, others. They said the word wafah in Arabic, it comes to mean death, and it comes also to mean sleeping. Different eyes. That's one case. That's why I said when the brother asked me about Isa bin Maryam, is he alive or dead? I said, Wallahi, I, I, don't, I don't know, I haven't checked this case, but I think he is dead because of this eye. Right. However, the second point I want to say, we really need to be careful in our questions. We should ask about things that are really important to practice in our life. That's why the ulama usually say, do not ask a question which has no action to be done after that. Yani, an example, the case of Isa ibn Maryam. Is he alive or dead? But if he is alive, what, what are you going to do? And if he is dead, what are you going to do? And except for those people who want to discuss these cases with the Christians, there's another case. Then he can go on and study this case and he will be better than us in this case. Similarly, or close to it, the case of the color of the dog of the cave people. Allah mentioned in his book the story of the cave people. They are three plus their dog or four plus their dog or five. If someone can say, what is the color of the dog of the cave people? This is ilm, you want to know. No, Habibi, this is not ilm. This is philosophy. Why do you know, why do you want, what if the dog is black? 
What are you going to do? Or he's brown. Or, or he's small or old. Whatever. What, what is God is going to give you? So in this case, although I am, I am admitting that I do not know such, much about this case. Isa ibn Maryam is dead or alive. Because I do not, did not think that this is a very important case to know. So I did not study it. And still what I know is nothing for the things that I do not know. And what I know, what every human being knows, is limited for what he doesn't know. وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا So I admit, I am ignorant at this point. But what I'm trying to say is that I should know things that I must know. Because علم is two types. I must علم, a good to know علم. A must علم is how to, who is Allah and how to worship Him. Tawheed and fiqh. This is a must علم. Every one of us must know who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what He deserves subhanahu wa ta'ala, what we are not supposed to say about him subhanahu wa ta'ala who is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the other things is called the three fundamentals of Islam say and the other part is to know how to worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala that's fiqh that's hadith and you learn how to salat make salat because this is nobody will do it for us nobody will come and say I'll pray for you tonight relax I will do uh, tomorrow I'll make it for you don't go to masjid nobody will do it this is not accepted but if someone is required, the other type of علم which is the Fardu Kifai, which is not must in every Muslim, if someone is do it, the others are not going to be responsible for it. Like knowing the Tafsir, knowing the Usul al-Fiqh, Mustalah al-Hadith, so on, so many علم, which is, but for these cases, Tawheed and Fiqh is must in every Muslim. He must know it, he must learn it, that he can be capable to know him, his Ilah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what he deserves and what he not supposed to say about him, plus the Fiqh, which is the how to worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are the most ilm that we are supposed to know. I hope this is the point I'm trying to explain. I hope inshallah it's clear enough. It's clear enough tonight, inshallah. Any questions, I'll be happy to hear from you. Sheikh Mahbub, any questions at this point? Alhamdulillah. يوفي يا إنما يوفى الصابرون أجرهم بغير حساب تفعيل للدائم 
that Isa did not die. Allah did not make this word. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that, no, no, we're not rejecting that he's coming back. He's coming back, yes. He believes this. He will kill Khanzir, yes. That's the astrology of the beginning. chance to the brothers if they have any questions before we go on, huh? Unfortunately, uh, most of the say that any hadith talking about 
special eyes that they have special reward. Majority are weak. The hadith in this case are majority are weak. But if there is a clear hadith which is correct, take it. For Surah Al-Hashr or for Surah Al-Mulk or for Surah you find that I think Suyuti have made a book about this case and he gave so many hadith but still we cannot really take them unless these hadith are strong enough to be taken. Otherwise, taking these hadith just like this, it could lead us to bid'ah or novelty. Or which happened among Muslims now that when you come to the Muslims, no, no Muslim will do yani, bid'ah just because he wants to make bid'ah. He makes bid'ah because he, is, he heard a hadith or he read a hadith that says such and such to be done. Like, even though sometimes they misunderstand the hadith itself. Like the case of, I'm sorry, yani, we're not going out to your point, but this is the hadith of, uh, the case, the hadith which is uh, Muhammad Sallam said, اقرأوا ياسين على موتاكم. Recite Yaseen on your dead people. No, not this way. Don't, not recite Yaseen on your dead people, but actually recite Yaseen on your dying people. Same thing Arabic case now. على موتاكم, not those people have already died, but these people are dying. And they said because this surah contains a lot of uh, good bishara, so the dying person will die easily and smoothly. So some Muslims misunderstand this and they went and start to recite Yaseen on the people who are already in the grave. And they start to make this business. When a person dies and they bring a people and gathering them and they say, Yallah, bring this reciter, this reciter, Yallah, give money and you make a citation. So we have to be careful when we talk about these eyes, which, I mean these hadith which talking about certain eyes that they have different يعني, cases, then we have to be careful. We make sure that this hadith is correct first of all, then we take it. Like we said, the hadith of uh, Abu Jarr radiallahu anhu, Muhammad told him, say, and he didn't do to say, he told him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قل هو الله واحد قل عوذ رب الفلق قل عوذ رب الناس إذا أصبحت وإذا أمسيت ثلاثة مرات تكفيك من كل شيء. Also the, the hadith about ayat al-kursi. So there are some strong hadith we take them. But if they are weak hadith, we have to be careful. First of all, we see, is this hadith weak? Then we have to stop. Is this hadith right? There are some light hadith also. Not every hadith said that Muhammad said it is true. Some of them are a lot of light. Why Abu Hanifa rahimahullah did not accept every hadith and he had a lot, a lot of يعني, his opinions into his madhab? Because in that time there was a lot of light hadith in Iraq. As you remember, Abu Hanifa was born in the year of 80 Hijriya and he died 150. In his time, he was the first Imam, of course. In his time, the hadith was, there is a lot of lies in Iraq. Upon the words of Abdullah ibn Amr, he said that you Iraqi people, he's talking to Iraqi people, yani hadith goes from us one shepherd and come back from you one dirah. Means that it has been changed and adding and this and this. And there were a lot of people who were lying on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, especially the extreme of Sufis saying that we are lying for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We are not lying on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we are lying for Muhammad Muhammad says, he told us, من كذب علي متعمد متعمدا فليتبوى مقعده من النار. He will be in Jahannam directly, if he lies on Muhammad intentionally. He said, we do not, they lie intentionally. But they say, we do not lie on Muhammad we lie for Muhammad. Ishad. Muhammad said, you lie? The deal of Muhammad will not be spread unless you lie for him. Quran and Sunnah is enough for us. We don't need these lies. So we have to be careful when we talk about this. For Surah Al-Hashr, I can't really say if they, the, eyes, uh, the hadith which is mentioned, you said, but we can find it out. We can check it in the um, website which is Dura Saniya and the other places of this correct hadith and you can work, huh? Islam QA and the other places, yeah. Any questions? Right. 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 Any questions? Right.